Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Welcome back into another exciting edition of 11 Personnel. Nick Roush, a lot richer this week, hanging out with Adam Luckett. Luckett, it feels good to be a rich, rich person. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. You, uh, you, you're going to retire uh, by I'm, your own horse to run in the derby. I'm Daffy Duck, just counting my dollars up. And then, uh, is it Scrooge McDuck who dives into the yeah, that's Yeah, the yeah, okay, yeah, the Daffy Duck. Yeah, where he's yeah, counting his money walking. Now. And then Scrooge yeah. McDuck dives yes. into the coins, which would certainly – Yeah, you're you're breaking your neck if that's happening. But I didn't break my neck. And uh, you probably had to ignore my advice to win big because I was big on just like, oh, Tiz Law is going to win. Might as well write it down. But I did hit it real big on Friday with the pick five at the Oaks. And that was, that was exciting. I've, I've never hit a pick five before. And I went with a freaking fifteen to one Brad Cox in the Oaks. Well, like it, us South End guys, you just just blindly bet Brad Cox, and about fifty percent of the time you're good. That's how it kind of factored in over Friday Saturday. He he paid us well, and look at the thing was, I thought I hit it big, and then my buddy went and hit a hit a pick five on Saturday for twenty nine thousand dollars. Twenty nine thousand. Well, that uh, Uncle Sam is going to be giving him a ring. Oh. Au contraire, mon frere, the IRS changed the tax laws to where the odds have to be 301 to gr- or greater for you to actually have to pay taxes. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. So really, I mean, hell, you would have to hit He's like He's hitting that a, tax bracket just right. It would, you would have to hit a very dumb – I think his were like 240 to 1 were the odds on his bet, uh, on his ticket. Um, but you, it would have to be a monster parlay now. For you, if you were just doing a sports gamble, it to be able to have hey, to be forced to pay taxes. I want to say that's you're looking at uh, like twelve team or fifteen team payoff. Yeah, to get like, up that high. It would have to be enormous. Uh, hell, you only had nine college football games to even bet on this weekend, so like you could have just rolled them all uh, and, and got out with it. I don't know if anybody could have done that and predicted the. Uh, was it Alabama State or South Alabama that beat Southern Miss? South Alabama, many, yeah. I don't know how many people were predicting uh, FCS outright straight-up victory over Southern Miss in that one. That was a big one, and it gave us our first uh, coaching firing of the offseason. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, Nick. But I know there's a pandemic going on, and I know a lot of teams it's going to be expect to have your coach back no matter mm-hmm. what. But I think it's also too important to remember that this is college football. Like, there's well, going to be some firings. Yeah, and I love that they, the way they phrase it was he's stepping down. That's exactly the phrasing they use for Mark Hudspeth at that. That's just the new spin. Uh, how they're kind of <laughs> that's the PR that like I guess when they go to the PR seminars instead of firing, they say we should put it this way. It just frames better for everyone involved but because but, i think i think i've seen that from the nba i think when the nets fired their coach it was 
a mutual uh parting part ways yeah Yeah, whatever word salad they're using (laughs) but jay hobson opened the 14 or no was that it was the 15 season Mm -hmm. no 16 16 16 16 season yeah by beating kentucky that was his first game as head coach Mm -hmm. and then the previous year mark hudsbeth opened the season against kentucky both coaches had quote unquote stepped down over the last three months. And Hudsmith, I believe, was he was at Austin P and he was actually doing a yeah. bang up job. And like he got that f- was that was weird. Like it's almost like he did something that was like basically saying COVID was fake or something. Like that, that's kind of what I made yeah. it made it sound like he wasn't taking coronavirus serious, so they just axed him. Yeah. He was fired at Louisiana not long ago and then that happened at Austin P. Did you see some of the names that popped up for the Southern Miss job? Oh, ooh, let's hear some names. I heard Rich Rod. That was the big one. I saw Rich, Rich Rod. Mm-hmm. A guy by the name of Hugh Freeze graduated from Southern Miss. <laughs> His wife graduated from Southern Miss. Oh, man. Oh, my God. If you God. know anything about Southern Miss, like, they're all about winning. Like, they want to win. That's the order of business. So – that's that's gonna be one to keep to definitely keep an eye on. I think. God, can you imagine? Now, the state I, I don't of know if yeah with Hugh. They were Southern Miss. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, awesome. Wayne Kiffin <laughs> and uh, uh, now I can't even think of the Pirates. Say Mike Leach. Like that meeting at the Capitol this year would have just been exponentially right. crazier if you had Hugh Freeze in the mix. Mm-hmm. The thing about Southern Miss is. It wasn't long ago where Louisville was trying to get on Southern Miss's level in CSA. Like, you go back two decades, like, they yeah. were kind of the cream of crop in that conference, and realignment has just screwed them over in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you see Louisville and Cincinnati, uh, they all got out. And then in the most recent badge, TCU. Yeah, TCU. But then even on a smaller scale, like Houston and schools like that, they got to move up to the AAC. SMU, those type of schools, while Southern Miss had to, you know, they mm-hmm. were kind of stuck because they're kind of weird because they have a nice tradition, but they don't have a lot of money. Right. So it's going to be an interesting job. I, I mean, for Hugh, Free, Hugh Freeze to be there, or, I mean, that that would be fun. I don't know if they would touch him at all, but he's going to have, I think, a lot of important people probably pushing for him due to his ties there. I also saw Feldman like hashtag a Louisville assistant. I'm assuming he's talking about Dwayne Ledford. I didn't, I didn't read the article, but well, of course. No, it was Brian Brown, defensive coordinator. Of course, Feldman's going to throw his boys at Louisville a bone and say yeah. that, like, this guy's good enough to be a, a you know, get a head coaching job. Yeah. Brian Brown, who's was uh, who played at Ole Miss, he threw him in there. Good, good for you. Good for you, Brian Brown, that played at Ole Miss. But uh, on the week one games, like it, you – you made people richer last week. We got our first lock of the week, and holy crap, did we lock it up. That game was over before it even started. My goodness, BYU, yeah, it, the it was a, Mormons could not be stopped. That that feel of like a high school game, first-round playoff, mm. like the big schools playing like this small-time school who probably snuck into the playoffs at three and seven, and it's just like – we want this right now. And the other team is excited, like pumped up to be out there. And, and you could tell that was one of the cool things I think with no fans is like, you got to hear like reactions from the players after every snap, 
and you could hear the sideline, players chanting and whatnot. But you're right, get back to your point. It was a total beatdown, and it turns out that practicing tackling and hitting is kind of important. Not only that, but, like, they haven't done that, and they're a triple option team with a new quarterback. Yeah. You would think of the team that they are. You would think they would be all in on it because you can't really go out and just practice the option. It's not like you're throwing the ball and you can just spread out playing space. You have to play through contact. Well, that. and the timing of it all when your pitches like that yeah. was a, a disaster waiting to happen. And it, I thought it was hilarious that BYU opened as a dog, and they ended up, I think, getting all the way up to three point favorites. It didn't matter because they really had their way with them. And the point that you brought up where you could hear from the sidelines, I even though it was a blowout, I think there are some things that we can learn from this game. And one of them is that just being vocal on the side, like the sidelines can play a significant role, whether it's, I mean, run pass calls are the at the very basics, uh, you know, will be much more noticeable. But I do think the just like overall juice that you won't be able to get from the stands, you can get that from the sideline and just from guys who are a little bit louder. Now, we don't have Jordan Jones on this team or, you know, Denzel Ware throwing trash cans at people. But there's I, I, I think that will be, play a significant part is having some guys who are getting everybody else fired up. The strength coach, coaches are going to play a big role in all this, I think, because they're usually the guys getting everybody all juiced up. The dude from Northwestern. That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> or even like Minnesota, like PJ Fleck was made for this. Oh yeah, just get his guys pumped up and ready to go every week. Like you know, they're bringing some juice. And now I think of like Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, where they have like the money down thing, and he's got all these different types of sayings. And mm-hmm. I think they're the team that like they sprint to the other end at the end of the third quarter <laughs> and do all, all that kind of crazy stuff. So, coaches like that who can get their guys, I don't know, just to have, like, some of that excitement to pick up the team maybe if they're down a little bit or or in a case last night you catch a team that really wasn't prepared to play, you can really have a chance to jump Man, up on I just – I hope those boom mics pick up Mark Stoops screaming at the officials. Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and, you know, Stoops, he's not a he, – he, he's an intense guy, but he's not a real big rah-rah guy. Like he he's he can't like fake it at all. He just he is who he is. So I, I think once you see like something happen, as long as he toes that line, th- that's how you rally the troops. Like you get one bad call, Stoops is just early on in his career, he kind of lost it. That that Mississippi State game, uh, where they onside kicked it and they called offside. Auburn at home. Oh man, there was a couple where it's just like he, he let the train get off the tracks. I think he's figured out that line. Uh, but that that's going to play a big role this year. You, you mark my words. That will in, – and in, here's the thing, too, like it, is that most of the guys on this team are relatively quiet guys. Like how your kind of leadership guys, you know, Square, uh, Drake, I, you know, he's a no-nonsense kind of guy. Uh, Terry's a little bit on the more vocal side, but like, Josh Ali, Yusuf Corker, those guys are naturally introverts. And that's kind of been a theme is making those guys more vocal. I think it's slowly happening um, and it's been a process, but there isn't your 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 typical, uh, like I said, Jordan Jones is in that locker room just ready to, to get their mouth rolling, you know. Which 
could be a good thing. Like it's maybe not as hard to get a team ready if you just got um, straight up serious dudes. You're just about their business. Like they're going to come, you know, lunch pail type attitude every day, whether as um, big talkers or whatnot, maybe more of a roller coaster from a day-to-day basis. Maybe that's, that's, yeah. that's a good thing in this type of season. It's also good to just have, uh, you know, most of your team back. You're not dealing with replacing a bunch of guys. BYU had 15 guys returning, uh, just like Kentucky's got 15 guys returning, and all five of their offensive linemen. And that offensive line, look, we could have moonwalked through some of those holes. My goodness. Yeah, them, they were having a good good old time out there. It'd be kind of nice to be like a 28-year-old offensive lineman in college football, too. It's the benefit of the Mormon mission. You, you get a couple BYU of years. BYU does have a, a very unique advantage in that way. Like, BYU for COVID, like, I don't think it's maybe that hard to get those guys to maybe want to just out at the football facility or just kick it with everybody because they, I mean, it's pretty, they do have that honor code, so they can't really, there's not much they can do out there in Provo. Yeah. So usually they have pretty, you know, a discipline type team. And always BYU, since I've been watching them, they're always, they're kind of like the Mississippi State of the West, the old Miss, old school Mississippi State. Yeah. Where you just play them and, like, you know, you better they're be meat ready. Grinder. Well, you're going to leave that game with a limp or a bruise, or it's going to be hard to get out of bed on Sunday morning. Like, you better be ready, you know be in a boxing ring for 15 rounds when you, when you play them. Now, whether you win or lose, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to try you pretty much. Speaking they, they of They brought COVID, the fight to Navy and Navy wasn't ready for it. No, they weren't ready at all. So now BYU, it has to be America's Navy. Those are the rules. You beat Navy, you become uh, the defenders <laughs> of our oceans. So congrats to the storm of Mormons of BYU. You, you you brought up COVID, and I think this is a, a good transition point to talk about, A, the just crazy kind of outbreaks at some places, but B, we now know at least the threshold in the Big 12 where if you don't – if you have too many players out for COVID, this is the number that puts you on the sideline. NFL and, rules, 50th roster. Yes, and there, there, there were some – also some like limitations on players, and I believe it was – the minimum was five offensive linemen, four defensive linemen, and one quarterback. And With seven offensive linemen, four D linemen. Seven, seven, okay. Uh, and you could, if you had fewer than that, you could have the option of playing if you felt comfortable playing. So, like Kentucky last year, they would be like, well, we don't have a quarterback. We have a Lynn Bowden, but we've got to play anyway. So, you, you, you can still play, but uh, if not, they'll rule it a no contest until it's rescheduled. So, those are kind of the – the 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 minimums in look at in some of these SEC schools, they I don't know if they would have hit those bars because the Tennessee had was twenty two or forty four. It was an astronomical number. Forty four. Uh, now it was over half the offense. I think they have sixty four total players on offense and thirty three were out. Thirty could practice Saturday. Wow. Now, of those 33, there was like five or six guys who were out for injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but reading David Ubbins' article, who's on the beat for Tennessee at the Athletic, 
made it sound like there was um, some type of get-together where the offense came in contact with someone who had COVID. So most of them are out for that, that contact tracing. Yes. Which is short-term. I think it's like a week or so. Right. So you wouldn't be in that for long. now. But there was, I think I read seven or eight people who contracted the virus mm-hmm. um, who are on that two-week um, period. But – so, but that's something you're definitely gonna have to battle. You had uh, Ole Miss had some guys out, and then Missouri um, drank with today. I think I had 14 guys out. So it's definitely something that's still here and something that teams are dealing with. And that's just teams that are announcing it. I'm sure there's others yeah. where we're just not hearing about it. Well, and uh, the other one I heard was uh, Ole Miss only had four offensive linemen for a few days of practice because a bunch of guys in their room uh, either got it or had to be a part of contract tra- contact tracing. Uh, I will say, though, it's going to make me think whenever a coach says he was banged up. So, like, this weekend it was Kenneth Horsey who was absent. Um, now, I'm not saying he has COVID, but whenever they're absent and, and it's just banged up. My mind's going to go to that for sure. <laughs> yeah, it immediately does. Uh, so, that, that's just that's something to keep in mind. Because uh, I know there were whispers that uh, a few players uh, actually had to go through COVID kind of protocol um, on Kentucky's football team uh, that hasn't been addressed. Um, so, you know, I guess it's kind of a – we'll wait and see. Because um, Mark Stoops, he talked a lot about it, but he, he – a lot about a variety of different things after this scrimmage, but he didn't kind of get into any specifics with injuries or COVID-related stuff because – I think like most football coaches, they're just trying to stay on football as much as possible and just get to this first game. Speaking of injuries, how bad is Isaiah Epps's foot? Like, was this – like, how serious was that injury? Because I think – we heard from him. I think he made some comment about him this past weekend. He said he's really not 100% yet. And then I just I, I, I'm lucky I've reached the point where don't know if we're ever gonna hear from that guy again. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's getting there. I'll be it's almost more... a year now. It probably, oh, yeah. probably is a year because it happened in camp last year, I think. Yeah, it happened yeah. in camp. So it's been at least a year. We thought he was gonna be back for the Florida game, which would be like this upcoming Friday. Um, because that was the timetable for the initial injury. My I think what happened like it is I think he broke it and then re-aggravated it when he was – Yeah. And so I'm assuming it's been a vicious cycle. But I'm kind of pigeonhole. Like, I'm not even considering a part of this wide receivers race because essentially what Eddie Green said today was that, like, they're they're confident in Josh Ali and Alan Daly. I I get the the feeling that those two guys, they're pretty – those are your kind of locks. But then the rest of them, it's – kind of a toss-up, and they don't know who to prioritize where between Cleveland Thomas. Bryce Oliver was the early flavor of the week in camp, and lately it's been Demarcus Harris who's quote-unquote made a move. And I think this is the the kind of final big storyline in camp is uh, between the left guard position, at least as far as the offense is concerned, the left guard position, and who are those other guys going to be in the wide receivers room? which is what we've wondered all along. Those have been the two – that was one of the two biggest <laughs> questions. And we're not – I mean, we're really not going to know anything. I do think what we're hearing about Dodson um, is a very, very promising sign. 
you've had the head coach and the offensive coordinator speak glowingly in the last few media sessions. And then you start looking at that O-line. You know, you think they, they, they seem to be pretty confident in Horsey. Um, Quentin Wilson is the guy they talk of um, very frequently, it seems like. And Nasir Watkins is their swing tackle. Mm-hmm. So you, you feel pretty good about where you are there. They, the only thing I'm keeping close notice on is they keep talking about Kennard and playing him at guard. Yeah, they have. Targets. So is this like a draft thing where they get him snaps at guard so NFL can see him at guard? Or is it a thing where if Luke Fortner went down, that they would put him at guard and then put Watkins in a tackle because they trust him more over if it would either be Dotson or Horsey. That's, that's something to I think the scenario you played out makes some sense for getting Kennard uh, reps at guard is that they just want Horsey and Dotson to focus on the left side. They don't want any, you know, they don't want to get them all yeah. twisted with any sort of flip-flopping or anything. So I, they're probably doing a thing where it's like, all right, Kennard would just kick down the guard. And meanwhile, we'll work at RJ Adams and trying to be one and, or, or maybe mixing in Quentin Wilson. Um, but I have a hunch that Kennard just mowing over dudes, pulling down the line. They probably feel pretty good about the way that would look. So, yeah, I, but I think you're, they're getting the point where it seems like they got eight right now. They feel good about. Yeah, which and that's, is good. That's, and that's great. That's really what you get. You get any more than that, it's gravy. You get a solid eight, you're pretty good shape. And you know what? It, it would. It, I know it would bring a lot of people joy if there's a big old dude from Belfry who's mowing people down. Uh, on the big blue wall like that 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 scratches the itch for a lot of folks so hopefully we see it ha- happen for Austin Dotson this fall another slow cooker in that OL room uh, I've seen that happen multiple times now with Schlarman guys get around their fourth year and then they suddenly become um, a player and turn into a really good player we saw it with Luke Fortner last year and maybe Dotson's a guy that can surprise the folks this season were there any surprising comments you heard from Mark Stoops over the weekend? He, he spoke at length after the scrimmage on a few different topics, but on that first coaches show of the year that was Monday night, Labor Day night, you probably didn't listen, but, you know, that's he doesn't reiterate a lot of his talking points, but that's for a lot of folks, that's their form to hear from Coach Stoops. So he, he goes. He usually up, drops a couple things in there, though, that are a little newsworthy. In this case, it was Joey Gatewood pretty much saying, like, I'm going to find out he's eligible this week or I'm going to march up to Indianapolis and start whooping some ass. (laughs) That's kind of the vibe I got from him when talking about Joey Gatewood. They feel pretty confident about it. I I felt like that was one of the bigger nuggets. What what stood out to you, Luckett? The Vito Tisdale-Mike Edwards comparison – uh, pretty much uh, told me that he they're working him at nickel. Hmm, that's a good... like I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna get snaps at nickel this year. And so... then when you heard about uh, Brandon Eccles earlier in the week, heard about him getting some snaps at nickel, and I think that's a way of the staff maybe trying to get their best eleven so they can play Dort, Kelvin Joseph, 
and Eccles all together. Um, but the way it's trending, I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the season if Fido Tisdale um, is potentially your starting nickel. It seems like, guy they're really, really high on. Mike Edwards got a hold of that. Uh, I know, I saw that. Vito uh, comparison. He's like, come on, man. Like, I love all of these guys who are fresh out of school, and the coaching staff starts hyping up the next guy, and they're like, really? You know, Last year it was Vince saying that like Justin Riggs is going to be better than CJ Conrad and CJ, you know, it's really, come on. Like I'm, I've only been gone a few months, you know, <laughs> but Hey, it, I feel like they aren't going to throw around the Mike Edwards comparison loosely. They're just not, uh, it stoops things very highly of that guy. So he's, he's not going to throw it out there all willy nilly. They really, I mean, for as quiet as that recruitment has been, they really love what Tisdale brings to the field. Similar kind of recruiting profiles. I think both ended up high three stars in the composite, but I think both when you looked at them, the staff and people around the program, they were better than their recruiting um, ranking. And then they're both kind of guys who are just kind of a rangy D who, who has who can, has cover skills. Um, but it can do a lot of things, you know, can come up and defend the run, can blitz, um, a multi-dimensional type player, um, and somebody that's what you want at that nickel position. So I don't think the comparison was too off, but you just, you just look what Edwards did at UK. I mean, yeah. he had a special career. Yeah, he. there's only been one other defensive back to make more than 300 tackles he, in their career. For my money, he's probably the most underrated player in Stoops era. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and you just didn't because realize that. It was Josh Allen and Benny Snell. They got all the attention. But Edwards, I mean, was, you know, the, he was the same player really since like the end of his freshman, redshirt freshman year to all the way through. And that was an all SEC level player, you know, 90 tackles, 10 tackles for, or uh, 10 pass breakups, a few tackles for loss, a couple interceptions. Just right. You could just pencil it in every mm-hmm. season. That's pretty much what he gave you. And what this nickel position, I think, they're, they're kind of alluding to and all of this kind of talking around is, A, I don't know how much Devontae Robinson we're going to get. I just don't. I, I don't get that vibe at all that that's going to happen. Yeah. So what, what I think where this is going like it, it kind of sounds like they're talking about playing a lot of just press man. If they're going to be moving – like Eccles was their best cover guy last year, and they're going to put him on some slots to just lock him up. Like, I think they're just, like, taking the gloves off this year. And I think Stoops is just like, let's let's get after him. Let's let's put, yeah. let's, let's get up in their junk. Let's blitz them. Like, that's, that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from these coaches. And we start looking at it like that, then you would get Corker really coming downhill and screaming – to come make some plays. Yeah, yeah. And then we've heard them talk about how they need Bohanna more to be more disruptive. And maybe they're just looking to cause more havoc this year. They're like, we got some guys we feel pretty confident with on the back end. We've got this, uh, a safety who's, you know, really good when he's, you know, coming downhill, flying towards the line of scrimmage, that we can really make some offenses uncomfortable and get them in some – you know, some third and long situations, which really that's to me, that's what they, that's what they sound like. We want to get teams in obvious passing downs 
because as Brad White mentioned this past week, the pass rush looks really, really good. He said, "Knock on wood," but I don't. I don't want to say I'm yeah. not about it at all. But like, pretty good at rushing the passer. Uh, it, it, oh, I, JJ JJ Weaver comment. Did you hear that at, in Stoops' show last night? Yeah, that basically. A, there was two. There was one where it was like JJ kind of had his step back scrimmage, but it was expected from redshirt freshman. But also, somebody asked him about the rule, and they were like, "Yeah, he ain't staying around here for five years." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which I like, but but to this overall point, though, I can, I feel like Kentucky's defense, as you've seen it, kind of ascend through the Mark Stoops era. It kind of it went from like. We're just piecemeal and whatever we can. We're, we're just doing what we got to, to to be formidable. And then it got to, all right, we've got some playmakers. Let's let's put them in a position to to do some stuff. But like for last year, the numbers were great, but they got the benefit of their offense, and they really just had that bend don't break kind of style where they they weren't overly aggressive. They didn't really put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I think Stoops is finally going to be able to play the defense he wants where they can put four guys down at the line of scrimmage in, in an even front and still find ways to make plays and, and take up gaps. I think they're going to be able to bully teams this year, and that's just something they really haven't been able to do. I think with their size, their numbers, their depth – um, that physicality they have up front, I think they're just going to be able to bully some teams. And when you can do that, it makes things a heck of a lot easier for every, mm-hmm. for every level and for you as a play caller. If you can just – because it's different than just, all right, because in the past it was just like, all right, D-line, hold your ground. You know, try to keep, you know, offensive linemen from getting to the second level. And then – We'll make plays. We'll get into third and four, and maybe if we have to, um, we'll design a – but we're, we're really waiting for the offense to make a mistake. We're going to make them kind of earn a drive. Mm-hmm. Where now, what, what you're pointing at is they're more like, to hell with that, we're going to force the issue. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going we're gonna to make them make a mistake. We're going to force a mistake, not wait for them to mess up. We're going to for, force a, a throw into double coverage. We're going to over – them overload blitz where a quarterback has to get on the chin or throw it away. Like they're gonna, they're gonna need to force the issue this year, and it may, may be a different style of defense um, you'll see um, this season. And it's we've only got two Saturdays without Kentucky football left. Like it, we've almost made it to the finish line. It's no, pretty it's crazy. It's pretty, it's pretty damn exciting. And the thing is, like it is, it's we're really cranking it up this week. Um, locally and afar because we've got high school football. It's back in the bluegrass. Kroger's KSR game of the week is in Lexington uh, for to, to watch Frederick Douglass host North Harden in a game that will feature two Kentucky commits versus two other Kentucky commits. And I think there's seven or eight other guys that have UK offers that'll be on the field. You got Ty Bryant and Dane Key. Uh, from Frederick Douglass. There's another kid from North Harden that escapes me uh, right now. The the one unfortunate side effect of this game, like it, we've never had one like this before, but due to the kind of COVID restrictions, 
players get to bring they, they have five vouchers for family members and that's it so uh it's it's not going to be one of those that you can really pack the stands to watch i believe that the the prep spin is going to be broadcasting the game so you'll be able to at least watch it online um but it, it has the makings for a great game and and frankly i can't wait to see uh what to kill crowd like I, I just want to see his speed in person i'm gonna be there covering it for ksr and like that's it's it's just one of those i don't know like you can't you can watch him run away from guys on film but like he's gonna have a, a one of the best defensive backs in the region there and so like i you know how i i'm just I, i'm i'm hoping i see a moment where Jordan Lovett thinks he has a good angle, but DeKel Crowder's speed is still just blows by, you know, stuff like that in, in a game like this where teams are really kicking off rust for the first time after only practicing for like two or three weeks. I would assume in this game, uh, part of the strategy is going to be to keep the ball out of Douglas's quarterback's hands because of the two guys he's throwing it to. When you look mm-hmm. at Crowder's and Dan Key. So what that tells me is that North Hart is probably going to ride LaFell right pretty hard in this game. So I think for me, looking at this, can can he, you know, tote the rock sometimes and really be a workhorse type back and really keep his team keep his team in it by controlling that the tempo of the game? I think um, it's going to be a big deal, big deal here. And if you look at Douglas too, I think Brian or was that. Or does he or not? I'm not really S- say that again. Sure, actually, he's probably the receiver. That Ty Bryant. Th- yeah. I know he's mainly a safety. That's what they're recruiting him as. But I don't know. I think he, they maybe use him at running back. I might have to do a little bit more research. Well, I get I get confused because they had another Bryant that played running back last year. I think it was his brother, and he went to Baylor. Uh, I, I think. I think I'm. I'm getting. I thought it was a right. Neil that went to Baylor. Neil, yeah, Darius Neil, yeah. Um, I believe he played running back for them last year. Um, and that's another thing, too. We don't we don't even have, like, any sort of scrimmage or anything to point to as, like, a point of reference. But either way, it, it, it should be high flying. I, I think what you said about Wright, though, like, that dude is um, – he, he's built for a, a lot of carries. I know it's going to be a lot different against the physicality that Douglas has in the trenches. Uh, with Jagger Burton up front, the state's top-ranked recruit. And I, I'm also excited, too, like just to see two 5A schools, a clash of the Titans in 5A, because 5A is just notoriously top-heavy. Like, it's Covcath, Owensboro, Frederick Douglass, and North Harden, and then a bunch of other guys. Uh, is, is South Warren in it, maybe? Like, I know uh, they're pretty good for a while, but, like, there's not a whole lot of juggernauts. So you get a lot of those – uh, BYU Navy games where you're playing a district game and you win 60 to 7. Uh-huh. Bowling Green's 5A too. Oh, I thought they were four. Or did they I, move? All, they all that reclassified. Which, by the way, I believe, uh, yeah, uh, Coach Wallace at St. X gets to play the old team to, to kick off the weekend. That should be a, a, yep, another fun they do. game. And St. X, they had similar, I got an email about that the other day, similar type of attendance things that you were mentioning. It's each player gets four vouchers, mm-hmm. and then it's very limited seating after that, maybe like a thousand people or something like that. So a little bit more than what Douglas is doing. Um, yeah, but Saint yeah, X like would be one said. of the few 
Louisville teams in action because JCPS, mm-hmm. they're at least letting them scrimmage on Saturday. Um, my buddy coaches at DOS that they're going to get a scrimmage in against another JCPS school. But for the rest, it's only private schools playing. Uh, Trinity will host uh, Moeller from Cincinnati. And DeSales will play uh, Lexington Christian on Saturday, Saturday night at 6, uh, before that Louisville game gets rolling right down the road at Cardinal Stadium. Um, are, are there any other games that really jump off the page for you this weekend, Lucky, before we move on to the college football slate? Not really. I mean, we don't even have a lot of the state even playing this week. But, I mean, all eyes are on Douglas and North Harden for the obvious reasons. Beachwood uh, Corbin that, standpoint. Hasn't Beachwood yeah. Corbin been a state championship game like 37 times? Back when they were yeah, single in my, in my in my in my lifetime, and I'm 31 years old. <laughs> Corbin, they got a lot of kids. There's a kid for them, Dakota Patterson, I believe is his name, who 24 seven has as a top 100 kid in that uh, sophomore class. So uh, I know a lot of people have been paying attention to Travion Longmire because he had has an offer, uh, got an offer really early from UK. But that that other mm-hmm. receiver might yeah, be Corbin's- a bigger. Uh, uh, Division one prospect. Yeah, and Longmire, his recruitment's really blowing up. Yeah, did I see was it Penn State or I don't, I don't know. So somebody was getting down there in Corbin and, and extended a bunch of offers as of late. It seems like a different team every week. It's been quite the recruitment. Well, speaking of different teams like it, this week the ACC and Big Twelve open play. Not every single team is uh playing. Uh, the it's kind of the if you wanted your non-conference game, this is the week a lot of teams are doing it, and Louisville, uh, they're they're hosting twenty percent fan capacity at Cardinal Stadium. I know that was a real hot button issue uh, over the weekend because we found out uh, it was a report from uh, Justin Rowland and Travis Graff that uh that 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 Kentucky will follow a similar plan where it's twenty percent capacity. 50% of the suites. A lot of people didn't like the 50% in the suites. Like, it. Did, did you, did your, your feathers get uh, fluffed by that? I want to hear your take on that first, Mr. Roush. Well, if you don't mind, if it's 50%, like, if it's every other suite, then there, there's like significant barriers in between, then I kind of get it. Uh, and, and also, like, I don't, I get really mad about that when Churchill Downs does stuff like that. And I think I, you know, I said as much elsewhere, I don't know where, but like right now that you're in no, I don't think I can get mad at college athletic departments for trying to squeeze money out of rich people. Like I can't blame them. There's a bunch of budget shortfall. So I I don't really care either way. I just know that the 20% is probably going to be a hard line that you're just not going to get over. So just deal with it, if you will, and and take what you can get. And if Bashir is willing to give him fifty percent of the sweets, then so be it. My take on it is, we're not that far away from Kentucky not even having a recruiting room. So, like, they've got all this money invested in the program. I don't have a problem with them throwing a bone to the rich people. Right, right. <laughs> oh, I know I, that. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but. I yeah, mean, like that that pays for all of the the shiny gadgets and gets your Justin yeah. Rogers in the in the building. I for yeah. a second though when you said we're not that far away from not having a recruiting room, I'm thinking 
Ooh, that's a good way to get more people in. There's a lot of space. You can space these. Well, my 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 thing with it is is just like I I don't know. I guess I'm a little numb to it because I've been a season ticket holder for forever, and like 2018, they couldn't give you know general tickets away. Mm-hmm. So my mind thinks you know the people. A lot of people complain about this are probably the same people who you know, maybe aren't even going to games. So, I I mean, I don't know. I feel, but I feel for, you know, uh, John Smith from Frankfurt, who's been going to games for 35 years and maybe not won't get to go this year, but um, it's definitely different, but I I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I just Mm -hmm. feel that. I don't know. I just, I don't think that's a terrible idea. Um, Yeah. And and to your, to your point, look at like, I mean, it just, it's going to stink. There's no, there's no easy yeah. way around it. Like there was a guy I talked to that uh, he's been to 57 straight Kentucky derbies. He couldn't go this year. Just life sucks in coronavirus. And there's some yeah. things we got to deal with. I think what you could do to throw the quote unquote common man a freaking bone here is just sell beer everywhere. Like, is that? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, but, we've I've, we can go into that. Yeah, sure. we we don't need to to dive in, but like if you just take away that then i think you 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 solve a lot of problems when it comes to folks who are angry about the way that rich people get treated versus the poors uh, you know at Kroger Field. um but hey i think my bigger my biggest issue is like what like they probably known about this for a while like why are you waiting until well it's probably the old sec let's see if we can try to squeeze more people out of andy bashir um but yeah yeah, Those coronavirus numbers, they aren't getting they aren't getting any better, uh, unfortunately. But the the way that Mitch Barnhart, he didn't, you know, he kind of piddle farted around with an answer. We'll probably find out on Monday of next week or they'll Friday news dump it that like, hey, here's our plan. It's proved That's by the government. That's probably what, what you were gonna get, I would yeah. imagine. A news dump right before we get college football this weekend, so everybody ends up forgetting about it anyways, because we're watching some okay ACC games. There's a few conference games in there uh, on the slate. And, and like it when you're when you're looking at the board, I uh, man that that opening Thursday night game just stinks. It absolutely stinks. Miami's a 14 point favorite at home against UAB, and Miami it might be the worst double digit favorite in the history of double digit favorites. Like I, I don't UAB was not good in their opening week game whatsoever at all. But like. If you're betting this game, how can you bet anything other than against Miami? That's how UAB kind of plays, though. It's just ugly. But Miami, it's just what that offense looks like. You know, for the first time ever, they're like in a real spread offense. Like 2020. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to see Miami in a real spread offense. And they've got experience returning that receiver. I like their receivers. They got depth at running back. We'll see about the O line. But they got a quarterback who can run around and do some fun things. So like just I'm just excited to see what that offense does against a defense that will be probably a, a top six or seven defense they'll see all season. Or maybe top five. Like UAB's got a really solid defense. So I that's what I'm excited is just to see see what they look like. And Miami's playing at home. They're they're not you know they're used to playing in front of gobs of empty seats. 
So I don't think that's really going to come into play. Oh, I just the think, low-hanging fruit there, look it. It's, it's, they're the I think for, fans to make fun of. <laughs> I think for both, for both sides, I think there's a lot, you know, at play. Manny Diaz is trying to prove, you know, that was a fluke last year. You know, they, they're doing some good things in recruiting. We need to have a big season. Whereas UAB, Bill Clark is just won a CUSA title. He's seen as one of the up-and-coming G5 coaches um, looking to record that big, you know, power of win. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of play. I think it, that could be a fun game. The, the other – yeah, that, I mean, I'll, I'll probably be that. That's a definitely a good night to have the three TV set up like it because Mahomes is going to score like a thousand points. The Texans, that I still don't know if they'd be good, but hey, Randall Cobb will be uh, making his Houston debut on Thursday night. The 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 game that I'm didn't know I was looking forward to this much until I did a little more digging on it is another one of those big G five uh, head coaching names, and that's Billy Napier. At Louisiana Lafayette, he was like the people really the the college football uh, analysts of the world. They really wanted him to hop on that coaching carousel. They they won eleven games last year, uh, lost the Sun Belt Championship to uh, to App State in consecutive seasons. Uh, first to Scott Satterfield, then to Eli Drinkwitz. But they've been right there. It was the most wins they've ever had as a program last year, and now they get to open up the season by going to Ames to play Matt Campbell, another really popular flavor mm-hmm. of the month when it came to the coaching Two media darlings for oh, sure they love those guys and really matt campbell last year like he just proved like dude you're you're overpaying Iowa state because they lost four game i think four games by three points or no three games mm-hmm. by four points four games by 11 uh mm-hmm. and, and that's like dude that's coaching like that's I, I didn't watch any of those games i didn't watch one Iowa state game but that's losing the, all of your close games just tells me coaching matters and you're not getting it done. People like Brock Purdy, um, so that'll be fun. And I think Louisiana is a fun offense. So it, it, if nothing else, we're going to get a good game. And I can't for the life of me understand why Iowa State would be 11.5-point favorites. Like, give me the dogs. And the announcing team on that, Tom Hart play-by-play, big Mike Golick analyst, oh. and then Cole Kublik analyst. So we got two – Two linemen working as a working in the analyst job. Analyst oh, that's not something you see. We better have steak and eggs for breakfast Saturday morning yeah. to get ready for that game because that's a nooner, uh, and I believe it's on ESPN. So it, I, I'm I'm fired up for that game. That actually could end up being the best game of the weekend. Like it. Yeah, it's 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 one. It's a sneaky one. It's definitely going to have my attention in that noon window. For the most part, um, and Napier's a guy like for me watching him. It's South Carolina. <laughs> if South Carolina comes open, like that seems like the guy they're gonna go after. I see how I envision it. Like that there could be a potential bidding more for him between like South Carolina and NC State. We're both there. I think they're similar type jobs. Um, both you can probably if you hit it right, you can win. I think pretty at a top 15 level at, um, but also there's, you know, there's a big variance there. You can lose pretty easily at both too. So I think for him, he's going to be a guy to keep an eye on because he's definitely going to be a guy that's not probably not coaching at Louisiana next year. No, no, I, I would say there's a very good chance that happens. So get, get a preview of Billy Napier before 
uh, he's replacing Will Muschamp. That's a good idea. <laughs> Adam Luckett. Uh, the the nightcap though, I kind of beat around the bush a, a little bit with it. Is Western at Louisville? Louisville is a twelve point favorite, and Luckett, you love the underdogs here. I do. Uh, Western year two, Tyson Helton. They really kind of surprised people last year. Um, and was really defense. Like, WKU, We what we've known them, really is kind of offense, uh, especially with Jeff Rom. Like, they just kind of lit the world on fire um, there on offense. But defense, they, they, they were a top 25 defense in, in SP plus defensive efficiency. Like, and not a lot of people would know that. D'Angelo Malone, who's their kind of edge defensive end linebacker, is a guy who could potentially turn into a first-round draft pick. Like, he's one of the best edge players in the country um, going going into the season. And when you look at Western, uh, their last, last nine road games are 8-1 and one against the spread. So, you're going to Louisville, a Louisville team that obviously overachieved last year. When you look at Louisville's numbers, like, they gave up a lot more yards than they gained. They gave up more points than they scored. So, like, I'm obviously – we talked about this. We're, we're not, we're riding, we're like, we're going against the current from the Satterfield. We're fighting the war against Scott Satterfield. Yeah. War against Scott's thoughts. So I like, it's kind of a contrarian play in a way, but I like this trend. I like how WKU matches up with them. They got a ton of starters back. I think it's like eight or nine starters on defense four of the five offensive linemen back. Uh, They've got a running back. Um, who who's going to be first team all CSA got a chance to make it in the NFL got a receiver um, coming back they lost Lucky Jackson their top guy but their second guys a guy that's going to be kind of all CSA honors he's was second team last year he can play they got a Maryland transfer Terrell Pigram won their quarterback job was kind of a mid three star recruit um, but he had you know, he had a lot of downs at Maryland, but he also had some up to like he went, I believe he was the guy who started for him when they won at Texas a couple of years ago. Um, and then when they beat Texas, I believe Tom Herman's first or second season um, in the beginning of the year, um, the next year. So I don't know. I just, I just, I like that spot for WKU. And it comes in that, you know, there's no crowd. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I just, be I, some I, I, like, I like fans the spot on the flight deck. You, you better yeah, believe yeah. that. If, if Louisville's playing yeah. football, there's going to be somebody overserved in Cardinal Stadium. The the thing that I like, like well, you know, <laughs> you know, our our, our uh, the people at Car Chronicle love to point this out. It's like the those the UK fan at the oh, Louisville yeah. game. You know, <laughs> you just know that there's going to be one. They're going to find that person at the at the Louisville game, and I cannot I'm, wait to see that. On I'm Twitter I'm, I'm very night. very excited for that. Um, I'm I'm also the the reason why I think I like this game is because so last year ESPN bought essentially Bill Connolly and SP plus rankings. And the year before I really, like I did well in college football gambling because I would use SP plus to figure out their spreads for games and then see where the big discrepancies were with the real lines. When it went mainstream to ESPN, the guys out in Vegas, the, the, the wise guys, they're smart. They, they really started taking more, it, it more into account and you couldn't find those large discrepancies. But since this year's so weird and it's early on in the season, we're getting a lot of them. And this game is a 12-point spread, and SP Plus only has it as like a five-point spread for Louisville. Yep. So, I, 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 mean, I really like that's a the spot for WKU. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then there's a, there's another very funny game where there's a huge discrepancy, and that is the actual night camp. Night night camp. It's we're getting Pac-12 after dark as close as we can <laughs> without the Pac-12. And Kansas mm-hmm. is hosting the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, who they're both two of the worst teams in their conference. Like you know this about Kansas, but Coastal Carolina is bad. They're projected at the bottom of the the Sun Belt. But last year, Coastal Carolina, they beat Kansas straight up as seven-point dogs. They won 12-7, to and they're seven-point dogs again. Like, how can you not just be like, well, screw it. Let's go Chanticleers. Uh, I love that that's what we get in that that nighttime slot. Like, (laughs) let's just get – let's get a little loopy with the the two two goofy birds, the Jayhawks and the Chanticleers. In 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 SP plus it's a seven point spread. It's a pick 'em in SP plus. I think Chanticleers are even like a little ranked a little bit higher than Kansas, but you get the one point for home field. So uh, it's just that has all of the makings of being just the dumbest game you'll football game you'll ever watch. I, I'm obviously it's going to be you know a little light. Like the noon window's good. It kind of dies down at three thirty. But to end it with what could be just some wacky stuff with Kansas and Coastal Carolina kind of has me excited. Yeah, for College Football Saturday, and you'll have you'll have obviously college game day. You'll have the typical Clemson HCC blowout. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I'm excited in a weird way. We just talked about like teams that bring the juice, like Jeff yeah. Collins in Florida in Georgia Tech. Yeah. That it's a sneaky game for Mike in Mike Norvell's first, um, yeah. Because yeah. those two coaches are familiar with each other from the AAC, Temple, and Memphis, obviously. And Georgia Tech's got some running backs um, that are pretty good. They got a true freshman who was like a top fifty recruit, Jameer Gibbs, um, who by all accounts is going to be a stud. And I, I just don't know. I just like your Georgia Tech year two. You think they're going to take a pretty big jump just because familiarity over anything. Mm-hmm. And then Florida State, you know, it's been a weird kind of offseason there. And we've seen them lay duds before in early yeah. games. So, yeah, that's one that I think sneakily we might all be flipping that on in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you because really the rest of the slate, there's a lot of a lot of blowouts in there. Notre Dame, Duke, they'll, they'll, they'll clean up the Blue Devils pretty easy. One thing I'll throw out for all the people is do not be afraid to play these unders early. I know it can not be fun betting unders because you're cheering for punts and not touchdowns. <laughs> but you look at some like you just the offense is just they've got a lot of rust where defense is more reactionary football. It's not as difficult to play defense well early as it is on offense. So like you look at Florida State, like a brand new system. Georgia Tech still got you know, personnel issues on offense. The triple the totals like holdovers. 50, yeah, the total's like 52. Like, I'll take the under. Duke and Notre Dame. Duke's got a Clemson transfer quarterback. But the last time we saw a Clemson transfer quarterback in the big level, he was terrible. Northwestern Hunter put Johnson. together one of the worst offenses we've ever seen. Duke's got a pretty good defense. Like, they've got a couple pros on that side of the ball. If you look at them closely, they've kind of been a defense first program the last three, four years. Yeah, that Rumpf guy was is a All-American. Yeah. Uh, right. Chris Rumpf, I believe, that, defensive tackle. They got a corner, Mark Gilbert, who was first team All-ICC before he tore his knee up last year. So, he's another guy um, that can really play. So, you look, that total is like 52 at Notre Dame. 54 and a half on, on Uncle Bo right yeah. now. Yeah. So, like, if you lean on – 
Notre Dame's going to win that game probably pretty mm-hmm. handily. But, you know, for them to get – like Duke's probably – for Duke to get two touchdowns would probably be, you know, probably be right at what they do. So, you look – like Notre Dame would have to get, you know, over 35 points to beat you there against a good defense. So, like, I, I just think there's a lot of value on these unders early in the season. And that's that's normally the way to go um, when, you, when you're trying to bet some of these games. I think the first uh, three weeks, especially – and now it'll have more extended shelf life because everybody's got these weird starts. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're exactly right. There's one game that I just wanted to say, like, wow, can you believe where we are now versus two years ago? And that's Syracuse, North Carolina. Dino Bay oh, yeah. had the Orangemen rolling. And I believe they were, like, I think they were, like, did, did they host game day for Clemson? No, but it was all – they set it up for them to do that. They and needed, like, to, they got to their, win one more game. They got game. their doors blown off at Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. It was that's, at Maryland, and Maryland scored 800 points. <laughs> but, like, Syracuse, there for a while, I mean, I know Lamar Jackson jumped over him and kind of ripped their it was hearts out. But Tommy like, DeVito, when they had him, they were fun. But they just – I mean, man, the, the bottom's really fallen out for him. And then North Carolina, who couldn't have been in a worse situation with – where Fedora's dumbass. Now they go and get Mac Brown, and it turns out like he's making out like gangbusters, and they've got this quarterback returning who many people are saying is the, the second best quarterback in the ACC behind Trevor Lawrence. So North Carolina, they're 22 and a half point favorite. It's their big, this is a, a, a Chris Felica stat, biggest spread, uh, biggest, oh my gosh, I, I cannot say this. It's the largest they've been favored since 2012. 2012. That's crazy. And then Syracuse today lost their top two running backs and a couple other players to opt out. So Jeez. a lot of like you look, you kind of do some digger, uh, dig a deeper dive on Syracuse. There's a lot of signs there that maybe they're going to have a really bad year. So if you're a believer in Carolina, I don't think it's crazy to lay the points with them in this first game because it's a big game for them. Mm-hmm. Big expectations. You're coming in, got a lot of your team back. Year two playing a team that, you know, that that seems like they may have been cool with just not having a season this year. <laughs> so, And I, I wouldn't mind if, if Syracuse became the team that I just bet against every week. It was – You know, there's – like, that's what I was wondering the other day. Like, there's, there's schools on here. We just got to find them early that you can just Louisville do the thing. In 2018 – was older. That's the perfect example. And and right. man, I I remember because UK was playing, you know, FCS and nobody, and they were going. Louisville was going up against South uh, Syracuse, and we had the entire live blog cheering for Syracuse because we all just bloated up on them. And there for a while, Louisville hung tough, but uh, you know, of course, the, the dam broke, and you know, the Syracuse ended up covering that spread. But I'm I'm hoping we can everybody just keep an eye out and let us know who you think your team is that we're we're going to be able to bet against every single weekend and cash tickets. Um, maybe it is Louisville. Andy's the obvious obvious. Yeah, yeah. But those are Andy's some big obvious candidate. Got to cover the sneaky one, South Carolina. Yeah. Because it's starting to leak out that Colin Hill's going to beat out Ryan Holinsky as a quarterback. And I've talked about their skill, talent, whatnot. If they get off to a slow start, that's the sneaky one. That could be 
one where, you know, they got some pros on defense. They might just be, yeah, I think I'm going to back out here. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the sneaky one, I think. All right, Luckett. BYU was your Luckett of the week. Is it going to be Western Kentucky this week? Yeah, on the car, that's what I like the most. I'll give me those, what is it, 11 and a half, 12. Uh, I really like them there. I think that's going to be 11 and a half right now. I think they're going to be in that game the entire time. Like, Louisville's going to really have to grind out a win there in the fourth quarter. So, just hopefully you don't you don't get burned late. I think Louisville's going to win the game, but I think WKU's going to be in it all the way until the end. Oh, man. Can't wait for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. 8 o'clock Saturday night. You can watch the card struggle against the tops. Man, it'd be, it'd be really great to have those second-best team in the state tweets ready to roll. Hell, they almost beat them last year. Or was that two years ago? That was two years two ago. Two years ago. Where they were last up. year, they, they 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 never really had a chance. But that was like – WKU really didn't get rolling until October last year. Yeah. I mean, and then they were early in the season. Right, mm-hmm. right. All right, man. T-O-P-S, top, top, tops. Well, I, I think we've we've covered a lot of ground on this episode. We get to actually talk about football games. It's a nice change of pace like it. A real nice change of pace. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to gorge out on Saturday. College football from noon till 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Man. Get to get the three TVs up and running. Just don't forget to tweet day. out, it's at Bud Light Time. Okay? <laughs> the people need to know got, when it's Bud we, Light Time. <laughs> we got them ready to stocked and ready to go in the fridge downstairs. Nice, nice. Well, like it, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, it's time for us to depart. So, for everybody out there, thanks around for hanging around with us today. Enjoy week two of college football. We'll be back next week as the Cats get closer and closer to kicking off the 2020 college football season. In the meantime, always remember, go Cats and go Kroger. <laughs>